0: to episode 239 of sci-fi tv rewatch my name's dave and I'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we continue our look at season four of tnt's the librarians and dude i'm watching a heck of a lot of shows and you know when we do our pick of the week in a minute i'm gonna bring up a couple of them but other than that how are you doing i'm doing great i'm really good right. uh, hockey season has just ended
1: so i I've actually been out of town for three of the last four weekends, and I realized, on uh, well, if you look, go back from uh Sunday night, this past Sunday, to the Friday previously, I actually slept in a hotel like two more days of the week than I did at home, so wow. it's uh, nice to be home and not in Virginia or North Carolina, though those are lovely states, don't get me wrong. It's just nice to be home and not uh, traveling on the road this weekend for another hockey tournament.
0: Well, you got to get your daughters playing ice hockey. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> 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 we did.
1: It's nothing because they're daughters. It's just uh, the boys when they got into it. Um, we didn't really realize, like especially the expense of playing ice hockey. Um, it was. I, I, I compare it very much to. I imagine how uh, someone who sells heroin builds clientele um and they got a little taste a free taste of hockey When they opened the ice rink near our house we went up there try hockey for free night got to put on skates and the equipment sticks skate around for a couple hours loved it signed for try hockey for free about 100 bucks eight weeks okay that's kind of what we're used to with sports you know about there, you know each each season's about two two three months long about 100 bucks no problem and then uh you know, when they're done the tri- you know the hockey basics, then now it's okay. Now sign up for the real team, for the club team, and actually, the very last class of hockey basics, there are people from the club handing out flyers. So I just remember looking down at how much it cost, and my jaw just like dropped to the floor. But by that time, it's way too late. We were too far in, couldn't
0: turn back. So, okay. well. If you want to send Wayne a message about why he should get his daughters involved in ice hockey, you can <laughs> contact him at scifi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave him a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip if you want. Tweet us at scifi TV rewatch and consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. All right, just kidding. Uh, yeah. Well, you can. <laughs> quick plug. I know. Yeah. Quick plug for our Patreon page. And, you know, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can go to the website sci-fi tv rewatch dot and find the patreon link there or just go to www.patreon.com slash sci-fi tv rewatch and you know just shout out to our patrons harvey williams dan LaRocque, fred from the netherlands mike jacobs and kenneth pricer thanks guys Cheers, so, guys. let's jump into our tip of the week what do you got
1: okay well uh, two things. The the first one is uh, I stumbled into this uh, another because uh, I'm really not watching a lot of shows on TV right now. I've cut back on almost all of them and uh, Supernatural. I I actually got caught up with Supernatural just in time for it to take another hiatus. Um, but uh, so I've been kind of trolling Netflix a little bit and I found the Frankenstein Chronicles with Sean Bean. I saw it. I haven't watched it yet, but I did see it listed. So it's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's great. You know, like Babylon Berlin was great. Like, that is a a must-see. That that was a a fantastic show. Altered Carbon, I would say maybe slightly less great, but still awesome show. Uh, Frankenstein Chronicles is not a must-see. It's very good. You know, it's basically a a detective-type thing. It's actually... Obviously, with Frankenstein, there is a sci-fi element to it, though the sci-fi element doesn't really come in until like the last episode of season one. Um, But Sean Bean is awesome. He's one of my absolute favorite actors. I love watching him, and uh, you know he's just he's he's great. Just commands every scene he's in. Um, You know, playing a a very complicated uh, character and everything. Um so it's set in Victorian London, which is you know not always like i'm not a big fan I don't know why I just not a big fan of like not victoria I'm sorry um early eighteenth century london well mid mid eight i should mid eighteenth century london um but there's all kinds of literary people in there, Mary Shelley's a character in it uh William Blake is in it briefly uh Charles Dickens is in it though at this point he's still going by Boz but if you know anyone has any education at all they'll know that that was his pen name early in the early days and that this young bucket reporter is actually Charles Dickens uh, cool. and, and of course you know it's you know that the Frankenstein element is in there so uh, pretty good show. I also like to do a quick shout out to this past weeks not last night's but before that. The um, Legends of Tomorrow, which is, you know, out of the CW Hero shows, the only one I'm still watching, I still like it. But they did kind of like a Groundhog Day type episode, which I know you're not a big fan of, but I have to admit, I really like them. Um, And though it was uh, true to form of a Groundhog Day where someone there's a lesson someone needs to learn, and once they learn it, then
0: they're kind of able to get out of the loop. It was still, uh, I really liked it, it was a good episode, so there you go. All right. Well, listen, based on your recommendation last week, my wife and I are six episodes in on Babylon Berlin. We watched three last night. We'll watch uh, we watched three the night before. We'll hopefully get in a couple tonight, although there's a lot of shows we got to get caught up on. But as you said last week, Babylon Berlin on Netflix, it's, it's really a great show. And yeah. uh, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. But I also want to highlight another Netflix series that I've been watching just kind of piecemeal whenever I don't have something I really want to watch. And, and that's not to say that I don't love this show and think it's worthwhile, because it definitely is. But it's called Godless. And it stars Downton Abbey alum Michelle Dockery. And the premise here is that, you know, we're in the Wild West and it's this uh, mining town. Uh, I want to say Nevada, but uh, I could be wrong. But virtually all of the men die in a mining accident within five minutes so 80 i think it's 83 men die in five minutes so it's basically a town of women at right. this point and they're still trying to run things and and you know for the most part a lot of them are really bad asses but it's really a good show there jeff daniels is one of the baddest bad guys you're going to want to see and 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 i i like jeff daniels it's a role you don't usually see him play so he uh, he's in it it is really good And then the other thing is, um, you know, and I've said before on the podcast, I don't read a lot, and I I wish I did read more, but uh, at this point, I'm actually reading two books. The book I'm reading in bed on my nook is a book I I read about two years ago called Blackout, which is a time travel story, which is really good, but Ready Player One,
1: you familiar with that? Well, I know the movie's coming out soon, and I've seen the book before um it's a book i think other people have recommended to me but i haven't read yet but i
0: I think that might be next up on my list yes elena is the one that recommended it to me you know like a year ago and i'd written it down and 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 oh then i'm not gonna read it (laughs) well i've seen the uh you know the little trailers for the film uh, coming up as you mentioned so uh, dude i guess i haven't bought a book in a while a paperback is 10 bucks what the hell (laughs) When did that happen? Uh, probably somewhere in the 90s, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I found it on eBay brand new for eight thirty-seven delivered. So I picked it up, got here in three days. Uh, it is really good. Three uh, days? You know, yeah, I know. Do you not the have future- Amazon
1: Prime? What's going on?
0: I don't yet. What? But it, it's a future in which access to online virtual worlds are the norm rather than the exception. And, and certainly one thing you'll relate to is that uh much of the education system is now online and mm-hmm. uh, taught virtually so that's pretty cool but i'm oh, about 100 pages in uh you know I, it's really enjoyable uh, i'm certainly going to get finished the book before i get to see the movie because uh you know it won't be on uh, <laughs> cable tv for another year or so yeah, at it's least. gonna be but, a while
1: yeah the movie but, looks anyway. good it's uh it's steven spielberg right isn't he doing this one Yes, he is. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's that's like, that's like definitely a market quality. I, th- I mean, I saw the... I, I guess it was before we went to see Thor, I think, uh, Ragnarok. Uh, I believe we saw the trailer for um, Ready Player One. It just looks really good, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah, Ernest Klein C-L-I-N-E, is the author, and I believe it's his first novel. So... Cool. All right. Uh, got a little bit of listener feedback from Fred in the Netherlands as he moves through season one of the librarians and i I would certainly assume by next week he'll be finished season one and maybe even into season two a little bit but he's going to talk a little bit about. i I have to be a little disappointed at at the the pace of of fred's
1: watching here you know you you think he should be picking up the pace yeah i think you pick it up a little bit more here you know he's been on (laughs) season
2: one for a while now come on fred let's get it together buddy hello dave and wayne Thank you very much for using my feedback on episode 3-5 till five of season 1, and not spoiling me too much by your reactions. As the listeners probably understand, I cannot listen to the whole season 4 podcast, because I would spoiler myself tremendously. Somewhere in the future I will of course listen to the whole podcast, and then also find out how silly my season 1 feedbacks actually were. Season 1, episode 6, and the tables of the Fables of Doom, a story mainly about fables coming true. A book called The Libris Fabula immersed from, from obliviation. A small-town librarian is getting powers by reading from it. This librarian, called Mr. Maguire, is played by René Abergenois, who we know as Odo, um, the shapeshifter from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. What I think is very nicely done, uh, and even perhaps on purpose, is that at the end of this episode of The Librarians, this Mr. McGuire is sucked into the book in a classic shapeshiftery way. Just coincidence, or a reference, or even an homage to Odo. The small town where this episode takes place is called Bremen, uh, Washington State. Uh, for me this is funny because my wife is from the original town of Bremen in northern Germany. Slowly during this episode even our librarians become very tale figures. Eve eventually becomes a princess with very long beautiful blonde hair. What I liked is that the makers start these changes very in a very subtle way. I re- remember watching and thinking Uh, At about ten minutes into the episode, oh, Eve finally wears her hair loose, instead of the regular tight knot she's wearing. That looks nice, and about 15 to 20 minutes later, she is having her full princessy hard hairdo. Cassandra gets the role of Prince Charming, having a whole bunch of young women falling into admiration for her. At the end of the episode, she says, I didn't mind all those girls buying me drinks. I really wonder if there's some reference of a lesbian tendency in Cassandra. Or is The Librarians not a series that will go in that path? Best quote from this episode, Eve to Ezekiel, Do not agonize local law. And he answers, but it's so much fun. Okay, episode 7 and the rule of three. This episode is mainly about a high school science fair and things going terribly wrong there. Here we meet Morgan Le Fay, the sister of King Arthur, responsible for the downfall of Camelot, and who is calling Jenkins Gallias. Jenkins is not happy when she says that name. What I found strange is that Eve never asked Jen- Jenkins about that. Also not in the next episode. On the other hand, the episodes were broadcasted in a different order than filmed, so perhaps we will come back to that later. I'm quite sure we will see Morgan Le Fay back anyhow. I restrained myself in, uh, and I didn't peek into IMDB, uh, whether this is true or not. I love the very touching uh, scene between one of the high school students, Amy Meyer and Cassandra. We really get an insight into how Cassandra was brought up. Amy says, "'Cause my wishes weren't about being smarter.' They were about being normal. I mean I didn't want not to be smart, I just didn't and Cassie says want to be wanted to be the only thing that you were. You wanted another adjective. Amy realizes you are one of us. And Cassie says I had a whole wall full of trophies and Amy. So, were your parents the same? No dates? Cassie, no movies, no social life, no hobbies that didn't look good on a college application. Just working towards the perfect future that they had in their minds. Amy asked, did it get better? Cassie, no, it just ended. I think the dream that they had in their head was too big for me to carry. I think... They loved it more. Okay and finally shortly about episode 8 and the Heart of Darkness. This episode is mainly about the so called hunted house. First off Cassie's nosebleed did trigger uh, a Stranger Things feeling with me, because Eleven in Stranger Things also is getting nosebleeds when she is using her powers. Although I said in my feedback for episode 3-5 that everybody is getting more equal, and Eve is less and less the leader of the pack, in this episode we are back to square one. Perhaps this is also because they hustled the episode order. Stone says, for instance, listen, it's fine, there are three of us, I think we can take one psycho, well, two and a half with Jones, but still, Jones says, and that was very funny, I'm standing right here. I can hear you, Cassandra, why am am I being sidelined? And Eve says, Cassandra, you're not being sidelined. Right now, I am allocating resources as needed, and I need you to look after Katie. So here, uh, uh, Eve is really uh, in command uh, again or still. Nicest line from this episode, Joan says, well... That house is the Star Trek Transporter, or maybe even the TARDIS. Think, mate, we could own the stock markets. You could be dating. This place is a gravy train. Colonel Bard, Eve, if I may, I never asked for anything in my life. Please let me have this. It grants wishes, Eve. And Eve only replies. You know what I wish right now. I wish I had something for this eye. Because she has a very shiner and needs some cold packs. Finally she gets them. So that was all for episode 6 to 8 of season 1. And just final, one final remark. I just love Jenkins' bow collection. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Alright, well it's, it's a, certainly
0: cool references. Yep. You know, Odo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I mean, I,
1: I didn't forget that Renee Auberjonois played Odo, but uh, that, that was uh, you know an awesome role for him. That's great.
0: Yeah, and that was certainly great to see him in the episode of the Librarians. He also brings up that the episode seven, the Rule of Three, which I really loved. That's the one with the high school science fair and Morgan Le Fay. So, uh, and and Fred points out he, he got a little clue about uh, Jenkins and Morgan Le Fay. So. Fred didn't put it all together yet, so I'm gonna, right? W- w- you know, we're not gonna say anything. Yeah, we're gonna, we're not gonna spoil it for you, bud. but, right? But but, but yeah. he does bring that up.
1: But that that was another great one too, and especially that's a another kind of Cass, Cassandra centric episode, as the one we're gonna talk about today is, um, you know, where we learned a lot about her and about her life and
0: uh, through this science fair, right? Right, exactly, and, and you know the fact that she has a kindred spirit in Amy, or rather Amy finds a kindred spirit in Cassandra, you know, so so that she can act as a mentor of sorts and, you know, in the brief time that they're uh, together. So uh, really three great episodes, Heart of Darkness, uh, obviously episode eight, and just uh, season one just knocked it out of the park. And of course that implies that two, three, and four didn't, which is certainly not true. Not true. So... All right, well, Fred, thank you so much for your feedback. We're, we can't wait to see what you think of season one in its entirety and take Wayne's advice and start, you know, yeah. plowing through. It's, yeah. So, all right. <laughs> all right, well, let's take a look at the episode we're going to talk about tonight, The Librarians and the Hidden Sanctuary, episode eight of season four, written by Kate Rorick, who wrote Fables of Doom from season one cost of education in season two reunion of evil in season three and then also in season three with nicole ranadive she wrote and the eternal question now the interesting thing this one's directed by noah wiley who did hollow men in season two but he also did reunion of evil uh and eternal question so you know so he he's been matched up with uh, kate rorick three times now as writer director And, of course, he also directed The Christmas Thief in season four. And this one aired January 10th, 2018. So, before we get started, first impressions, what would you think? I like this one a lot. And, you know, again, you know, like,
1: whenever they just go off on a single librarian-type episode, I'm always a little wary of that, you know, because I like all three of them. You know or all four or five, whatever. All of, you know, you want you want to see a lot of all the characters. And but that being said, um, it's great to see a lot of Kat, Cassandra because I don't know if we've gotten so much of her, and we we don't really see a lot of her. I don't think we've had one where she's just com- basically completely on her own for the whole episode. And it, it was it's great, you know, Lindy Booth and how she just brings out the absolute joy and Cassandra Killian for everything. And I think she even says the one time, you know, like just basically, um, uh, oh, she says, I I just get so excited. When I get excited, I just can't stop. (laughs) Uh,
0: And we certainly saw that in this episode. Yeah, well, dude, I I couldn't agree more with everything you said. I love this one as well. Uh, You know, I'm going to throw it out there now. I I am giving it an A. It it might move (laughs) Uh, it might move into the top spot for me i'll have to you know, reflect on oh that boy. but okay but i really like this but uh two guest stars that i want to mention even though i i've certainly was unfamiliar with both sherry Som and i hope i'm pronouncing her last name correctly as carla freddie's mother and she's in a show called the fosters which i've heard about but i couldn't tell you what it's about but she really provided a nice parallel with Cassandra and, and that whole idea of being afraid and, and certainly, you know, uh, uh, dealing with fear from different angles. But but I just thought she really did a nice job. And then, of course, Freddie played by Benjamin Flores Jr. I, he, dude, was he, he was just delightful. Yeah, he was
1: awesome. He was great.
0: And as Cassandra says at the end, he's certainly a librarian in the making. So, uh, <laughs> Freddie, watch the mailbox. You never know when that yeah. envelope is going to appear. Oh, he's on Game Shakers. Uh, ah! I, I saw that, but I don't know it. So, Yeah,
1: well, I, I wish I didn't know it. <laughs> My daughter loves that show, and I don't like it so much. But now I know... I was like, this kid looks familiar. And so now, now I know where I've seen him from.
0: Okay. All right. Well, number one, I love the fact that when we return from the first commercial, Cassandra's introduction and assimilation into the town is given plenty of time to develop. I typically pay attention to, to time as I'm fast forwarding through the commercials. And, and this segment was 11 minutes, and that's pretty long for a one-hour television show to to go without a commercial so they really give it a chance to develop which i love you know as you mentioned we don't really see anybody else i mean we see even jenkins briefly as they contact her to find out how she's doing and you know sort of like mom and dad and you know how's baby bird doing out there in the real world now should they be worried um yeah you know it's
1: it's it's like the, the, the parents' dilemma, right? That uh, wanting to keep the kid safe and also wanting that kid to grow up, you know?
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, I wonder whether what they're really worried about is that she's going to want to stay and perhaps resign from the library. Because, you know, again, Stone makes it clear, I'm in for the long haul, so regardless of what anybody else does i'll be here which yeah. is sort of I, I guess you could interpret that as sort of a a backhanded way of saying yeah i don't really need you i got it you know so cassandra if you want to stay in the real world you know go ahead but i i don't really think he feels that but i guess you could see that uh-
1: I, I, yeah well, well that is a, a an ambiguous line there that he delivers because you're right. On the one hand, we know Jacob, and and he, that's not what he's saying. He's you know we 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 know he's saying just that. Hey, you know we'll be here for you no matter what. But on the other hand, with all the subtext we're talking about here, and with the um you know the conflicts that you know Darrington Dare has said are bound to happen there is now some competition in last episode we saw that kind of competition between them as they were start
0: off the episode arguing over who should be the one right well sure right and and i guess for jake he's had his moment you know you know at, at the camp and and he realized after you know the the brief relationship if you won't even call it a relationship that he has with the counselor that the library is where he's meant to be so so he's had his moment so sure I think really like I think you certainly alluded to that his comment even though we can construe it another way is really meant for Cassie take your time make the right decision yeah. whatever that is absolutely so. but you can
1: see I mean obviously Jenkins is very con- and Eve are you know very concerned with her being out there and, and like, yeah, like you said, part of it is like, and, and what I said before, it's like, it is like Cassandra to them probably is like, I guess, the kid in the family, right? The one that they, um, and, and you know, Fred talked about it as well with the, the Haunted House episode where, you know, she felt like she's being sidelined. Well, why am I being sidelined, right? And it seems like she's always the one that they are, you know like most concerned about and remember there was a time there where we thought she actually was going to maybe you know try to bring down the library that she would you know betray the and actually she did betray them didn't she she did that was like the first thing so you know while i don't know if these things are still floating around in the subtext of of the uh of the series um, you know, they they are out there, right? That, that they're, you know, maybe a little bit more concerned about her
0: than they are about the boys, which could be a bit sexist, you know. Well, it could be. And I think maybe Eve more so fearful for her physical well-being. Jenkins, perhaps, her emotional and the connection with the library. I mean, not that Eve doesn't think that's important, but, you know, I mean, Eve's, you know, the protector, right? She's the right. guardian, so... Yes. That, you know that's her job, but but I mean, really, the whole episode revolved around grappling with fear, and and, and certainly, you know, the source of Cassandra's fears is, is something that that she explores here. But you know, at its heart, fear is a large part of the human experience, and it's something that this town lacks. Right. And you know, that's I, I guess one of the 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 beauties of this episode is that you know. Because she's there dealing with her own stuff, she's able to help. You know these people really deal with something they didn't know they needed to deal with. You know, well, uh, certainly the people that were twenty seven or younger didn't. But
1: I, th- I think, for, yeah. Well, well, Freddie kind of points out, it's like you know, there's something wrong here, right? Like, don't act like you like for the last twenty seven years. You thought this was all normal. You know that there's something wrong going on here. You just chose to ignore it for for safety and for security, right? right? So there's a lot of like kind of like universal ideas that are here. I mean, this idea of like I said before, like a parent and the kid, and, and the librarians with Cassie and um, Carla with Freddie. Like, if you. You can't wrap your kid up in bubble wrap every day, and you know, and expect that nothing bad will happen to him or her. Like, at some point, the kid has to go out in the big bad
0: world and get out there on their own. Right. Well, well right, and and that's you got to be willing to take risks. And again, that's something that that gets explored here, and something that Cassandra realizes about herself and i mean certainly one of the things she's unsure about is whether she wants to devote her life to the library and uh, you know i I don't want to say unlike jacob stone who really wasn't sure you know i i I don't know i mean i really feel like she already knows the library is her calling but needed to deal with some of her stuff you know mainly the, the fear angle before she could really totally lock it down and um you know I, I love that scene you know she's walking around the town finds her way into the town library which on the on the one hand you could say ah come on but i love that aspect of it you right. know yep and, and and she takes a job there and i love the librarian that as soon as she hires her you know she just kicks back and lets cassie do yeah. all the work you know all of these mundane librarian tasks which no surprise she finds the ultimate joy in doing Uh, these things that that this woman's just bored to tears doing at this point right right well and also you have that whole montage
1: you think like lots of time has gone by but it's really just a couple days right right she's you know integrate herself so completely into the life of the town in such a short time
0: right and and i mean one of the things she has to figure out what kind of risks is she willing to take with her life and uh, again you know this is a town and particularly freddie's mother and we understand i mean her one goal in life is to protect her son and and look again i'm not telling you anything you don't know you've got four children and and like you said you'd like to wrap them up in bubble wrap but you can't because that that doesn't prepare them for the real world. And, you know, we're kind of in an under the dome situation in, in this episode. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which was a show that uh, really started out strong and fizzled in a hurry, but fizzled quick. uh, Yes. But uh, (laughs) you know, we we quickly establish that, uh, you know, like the girl in in the episode we were just talking about from Fred's feedback in, in season one, you know, Cassandra, realizes that freddie's a kindred spirit and and she can sort of be a mentor and and i love the fact that she is able to kind of restrain herself and and almost not scare him off you know i love it first well read a book you know you know risk something
1: well, well part of it also is while she wants to encourage him to question things she also doesn't want to because she doesn't want him to mess with things as they are because she likes the town. She she likes the town because it's safe. She doesn't have to be afraid of anything here. The big, nasty world is outside the dome, as you said. So at first, she's not really you know, like she, she doesn't want Frey to completely try to uncover things, right? She still speaks with kind of the. Um, the the voice of the collective town and saying, hey,
0: don't ask questions, just let it go. right Well, I love that line, put your mind and imagination at peril. But as you said, once he takes her into that little secret room where he's got his, you know, we always refer to it as a murder board. But, you know, when I say that, I think everybody knows what, what it is I'm referring to. But he's done the research. And I like even the fact that she says, well, maybe your math's not right. And I kept waiting for him to say, "No, the math is right, but he yeah. doesn't and And I think she understands no, the math probably is right." But at that point, yeah, like you said, she doesn't necessarily want to pursue it and And just even when that car almost hits her at the beginning, shouldn't she have maybe investigated what happened? Right. I mean, that's what the other Cassie would have done, but no, I'm going to put that side of me aside. Right, you know, like, I didn't even think about, like, 10,000 days,
1: like, how much that is, but, you know, obviously, she's a math whiz, so she knows that's, like, 27 years, so there's a certain amount of her, you know, willingness to shut out what is actually happening. she buys in, like, everyone else in the town at first, um, until Freddie finally, you know, forces her to say, you know, like, listen— this is this isn't right. You know like she, what she really thinks about is like, oh, that's like 27 years where nothing has happened. No one's had an accident. Nothing, no one's gotten hurt for 27 years. I'm like that is impossible.
0: And once she I was going to say no one's beaten that woman uh at the uh, bake sale to win first prize until now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she looked very put off that, that happened as well. Oh, she did indeed. <laughs>
1: But, uh, you know, so (laughs) the the show kind of actually, like a lot of what we're talking about, I'm just going to interject and put this out there now really quickly. Um, And I know you haven't seen season four of Black Mirror yet, but in there, there's this episode called Archangel. And it's basically about a mother who, uh, her daughter goes missing for just a couple hours, apparently, Uh, When she's very young and the mother freaks out, she's a single mom, so you know, she's maybe already a little bit more overprotective of her daughter. Now, I'm saying single moms are, I'm just saying like she's already, uh, you know, feeling kind of like she's she needs a little bit of help, so she has this chip implanted her daughter's head where basically she can see everything her daughter sees and she can see where her daughter is at all times and everything. Um, and obviously, as the kid gets older. This becomes more and more of a problem, and it really becomes a part of the mom's inability to let go of this and to let the kid out on her own um, and the the consequences of that so and that you know i, I was i was thinking about that episode a lot watching this episode because it's you know so much of basically the same thing as as we've been talking about, you know, except not just with kids but just with the whole town like you're not living you know you're this is a fantasy world, this is like some 1950s you know pleasantville type thing going on here and it's not
0: right yeah yeah and i i love maybe loves a little too strong but i like the whole snow globe as a metaphor for what's going on in the town but the one thing that i do question how does the ferry get in the snow globe in the first place or or rather why after yep. the ferry grants him the wish, why why would it go in the snow globe? I mean, it has to know it's going to be trapped in there. So right. well, I'll these, let that these go. Are things, yeah, we, we <laughs> there's some questions maybe we just let go, Dave. Okay. Um, now, you know, it, it, in that opening, I mean, it's not really the opening scene because that, that's with the four boys on the bikes, but... You know when we see Eve and the team in 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 their cold open fighting the Incan princess, and we you know quickly learn that it's actually a dream that she's having. Uh, we we do get a little tid few tidbits. Jenkins apparently needs bifocals, and and that goes along. So the whole idea of his uh, mortality at this point is addressed just you know briefly, and 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 that's cool. Yeah. It's almost that that we know. We haven't heard the last of it, sure. A, as we yeah. as we head into the final third of the season, right?
1: Oh, and there's also with the the opening with the kids and the bikes is very supernatural esque, if there is such a word. Sure, and supernatural starts like this all the time. The only difference is in supernatural, the kid would die for sure. <laughs> they get attacked right. by a monster and die, and then Sam and Dean would have to come investigate. So, it's. I will admit, the first time I saw this, feeling a degree of anxiety as i always do at the beginning of supernatural right it it gives me the willies it it makes me nervous and and it's always like you know like a kid or you know a, you know a, a, someone helpless or something like that um but not always but a lot of times so yeah anyway it makes me anxious and so i was a little anxious but i should have known the librarians weren't gonna go there and they didn't so
0: Right. And, you know, you mentioned, again, not that you even needed to mention, anybody that's seen the episode knows that, that this is one of the most individual centric episodes of the whole Librarians run. You know, I don't can't remember an episode where we had one character, you know, where, where virtually everything is devoted to her. And, you know, I love that. But and we, we've spoken about this the last few weeks. Now that she doesn't have to worry about the tumor, everything is different. And she even mentions that life seems more precious and she, she has to reflect. And and that's a natural thing. I, I would think anybody would have to do that. And and as we said, she's got to figure out what it is she wants to do. I do find it interesting that she chooses to go to the safest town in America. Right. Um that's not exactly risk-taking no no yeah. no and you know the little bit though we see of jones was perfect he's angry since it's inventory week and <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that's okay uh I mean, I
2: mean
1: anyone who's worked retail they know inventory week sucks right so yeah mm-hmm. so um so there's probably a fairly universal type of understanding for for his frustration there
0: yeah yeah exactly cassandra you know when she finds out that freddie's bored and and obviously you know she takes a room in freddie's house because uh i guess that's a way mom earns some money she's encouraging him to read and and gives him the time machine by hg wells and, and and of course he he isn't impressed at all but later when he starts putting more together about what's going on in the town is pretty interesting that he takes out the Stepford Wives and the Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Now I'm assuming that was a collection of Shirley Jackson stories because that book was awfully big. Yeah. uh,
1: The Lottery's (laughs) not, it's just a short story, right? Yeah. It's only about
0: six or seven pages,
1: but well, uh, yeah. And when he, he reads the quote later, it's from the time machine.
0: Oh, that's right. Exactly. And and, and it's perfectly placed because if you make everything easy and comfortable, no good is going to come out of it. And of course, that's what we see in the future, the way mankind has evolved. Basically, you know, these simple, helpless beings that really... uh, Yeah, like the powerful ending,
1: right? This too perfect security of the upper worlders had led them to a slow movement of degeneration. And that's it. You know, when you become complacent, then your society starts to degenerate. You don't progress. You don't, you know, move forward. Yeah.
0: And that's one of the things if you guys haven't read the time machine or even seen one of the versions of it i would recommend the uh i guess it's early 60s maybe late 50s with rod taylor Uh, that's really an outstanding version but it's really worth checking out if you haven't especially in this you know world of time travel that we're that that we're in at the moment and then you could go watch uh, time after time uh, (laughs) hey timeless is coming back uh,
1: yeah i I know it looks good too like yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously they're going to make it look good, but I mean, I'm, I, I miss it. <laughs> I keep every now and then I'm thinking, like, when is timeless going to come back?
0: So yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, the other thing that that I find interesting is Cassandra having to deal with Freddie's mom and understanding that Freddie's mom has only the best intentions for you know keeping her son close to her and as much as it frustrates Freddie, and cassandra realizes that I, I think she certainly can understand it so that when you know everybody starts trying to figure out well actually it's cassandra that starts it well what's changed you arrived yeah, here and then of right. course it's like the salem witch trials or well, something like that or, or 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 monty python you know burn <laughs> her. it's a witch yeah well you you
1: see like the I mean, we see how, like atrocities occur. How how this happens when people all of a sudden now are scared when their security is threatened. Well, they're looking now for a scapegoat, right?
2: Sure. And
1: and Cassandra is one. And then who did they turn on after that? Oh, the uh, the mayor or the the councilman Meeks. Right, they turn on him next because would say, "Oh, it's your fault! It's your fault! It's your fault!" That now I feel insecure, and you know it's like people are here to tell you that feeling of insecurity
0: is called being human, and it's part of yeah. life. Right, and and you know it's understandable that they try to find an explanation for why things have changed, and that is a logical explanation and and look truth be told it is cassandra's fault right as she figures out that when she came through the 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 portal that caused the the crack in the globe Yep. so you know in in a sense it really is her fault but when she tells them i'm just like you guys i'm thinking like uh no you're not actually (laughs) (laughs) um you know, I, I don't want to say that you're better than them, but you, you certainly aren't like them. And, right. of course, she can't tell the truth about who she is and what she does. But, uh, you know, the, the the fact that so many people have been unwilling or really haven't needed to take any risks, you know, just it, it, they don't get to face the fact that life isn't perfect. You know, s- sometimes it's good to be scared. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well,
1: like I said, it's part of, of what makes us human. And, and, and I guess, and I just thought of this, but if you extend that out to what we see with Nicole and Jenkins and immortality is like you take away death, then, you know, it's not with Jenkins, but with Nicole, I think we saw maybe like, you know, it seems like a little bit of our humanity gets lost. Yeah. Right? and we saw sure. that in in the 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 graves of what, you know whatever that episode um that you know having relationships and being involved with people became too painful for her
0: right right and, and you understand that and i mentioned that's what they're dealing with you know one of the storylines in lucifer at the moment with, with, through the character of cain that you know it, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be that immortality thing so um now i i love so you do get to drink and smoke as much as you want though well there is that well you know in fact <laughs> Freddie puts his hand in the bunsen burner and just right. holds it, his arm and just holds it there and yeah uh you know that's sort of like in lucifer uh you know lucifer wants to cut him in half with a chainsaw he says no i tried that <laughs> didn't, didn't work didn't take <laughs> no good but but you know once he shows her the photographs with the lens flare and she figures out, no, it's a fairy. I met one. You met a fairy. <laughs> and it, yeah, she was just, cute and had a Scottish accent. <laughs> well, but it's just, you know, the Freddie's reaction that, okay, you met a fairy and they go to the library to research fairies, which again, you know, it's not the library, but, I, I love that touch that, that, that they go there and they start reading and learning about fairies. And, and I guess I didn't know that fairies are basically not very likable people or likable... Uh, well, they're not people at all. Likable fairies. fae. And, right. uh, you know, one thing I was going to say, it, it, at one level, this kind of brought me back to Lost Girl days, you know?
1: Yeah. Right, right, right. Was- Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I almost was thinking about doing uh, Project
1: X for this one. But there you go. I realize but, I'm it, too lazy.
0: <laughs> there you go, so you know we you know we learn more about what actually happened twenty seven years ago, and I mean you understand i mean that that young boy's left by his friends, you know, I guess you really shouldn't call them friends, but right. uh, uh I'm not sure why it took him that long to get out of the woods i mean it's pitch black he finally ditches his bike and then you know finds the ferry that you would think she didn't look that stuck, but whatever um. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the, a plot device, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that the fairy is free because Freddie, you know, smashes the globe, uh, it's pissed that it's been in servitude for twenty-seven years. And I'm thinking, like, well, why'd you fly into the globe in the first yeah, place, you right. dummy? But, yeah, well, and I also, so you, okay. know,
1: you, you think
0: like twenty-seven years to
1: a fairy? Maybe I don't know. Wouldn't seem like that big of a deal. Like, yeah, I assume well, that's they're true. not. Yeah, like they're well, maybe they're not immortal. So I guess, but yeah.
0: Anyway, well, it just well, seems and to we, me. Man, we always think of fairies as, you know, kind and and you know, I mean brownies for instance is one of the the monikers for a fairy and I mean goodness gracious that's the uh, you know, the the younger level of the girls. Right, house. right. But but like fairies there are I mean they
1: they in folklore they're constantly blamed for all like like lots of bad things and you kind of have to um well like well you didn't see you know it, we, you know, we see in uh american gods you know like you put out like a bowl of milk to to feed the fairies so that they don't mess with you you know mm-hmm. and in england uh like you know there's supposed to be like this type of fairies that would you know go out over the bogs and would like let, you know with a light or they would create a light so you thought there was a house and you'd walk out and, into the bogs and drown so fairies are always kind of blamed for a lot of misfortune, but uh, again, as well, they can be you know bring fortune as well. Like with the, uh, I guess it's elves that help the cobbler, right the the shoe who, the shoemaker and and what is that, this story? Ah, I mean, you know. But I'm <laughs> out of my depth on that one. <laughs> yeah, like but, the shoemaker. But, yeah. Every night, they, like the I guess his elves come in and they they make the shoes for him. He's an old guy and everything. And, and he sells uh, – well, whatever. But I, I think there's – so I think there's sometimes when they can bring you good fortune, but a lot of times uh fairies are, are saddled with the – again, not like, you know, the necessarily the super serious things, uh, you know, bad parts of life, but a lot of the minutiae of, you know, like daily uh
0: unfortunate things that happen. Right. And – Speaking of unfortunate things happening, we've got an evil fairy on the loose who's really only concerned with bringing the pain on a town that's kept it confined for 27 years. But the people realize that it's Cassandra that can help them, but she's dealing with fear herself. So that question, can she do it on her own? Right. She's there alone. There's no Jones. There's no Stone. There's no Eve. There's no Jenkins. But she hears Jenkins' voice reminding her that, I don't think he says watershed moment, but but that's certainly what he means. What does she want to be? And then, bingo, she figures out, you know, with the uh, aversion to iron, and she's got her plan, she executes the plan. And it, it was just, you know, she came to this town because she was afraid, and she's leaving it. Yeah, obviously a stronger person and, right. and a person well, that is ready yeah, to she devote f- herself faced
1: up to her fears instead of uh, cowering or collapsing like she did before
0: she you know sucked it up and did what needed to be done right and you know now of course the town is like any other town except i think it has a sense that it's going to do things differently from other towns and that, you know, that we've enjoyed this 27 years of prosperity, if you will, while we need to be wary, that doesn't mean we can't take risks. And that scene when, when mom lets Freddie ride his bike i don't know if he's going to the camera store in the next town or where he's going but but clearly she says uh, or, or cassandra says to her so is it getting any easier and she's like no it's not yeah. well it's yeah but
1: it's I- not it doesn't like that's the point like it's not like we want you know like i probably most parents would say if we could just keep our kids at home and they'll be young and, and you know and everything but they, they grow up they, they get to yeah. be people. They get to be adults. They have to go out in the world. And and it's difficult. And you see it with, it's like we're teachers too, right? And it's the same thing with teachers. You know, like you can't mollycoddle or hold hands all the time because then the kids won't grow up. They'll be, you know, infants and infantile and they won't learn and they won't grow. And so some at some point they
0: got to get out there and do it on their own. Yep. And, and of course that's what Cassandra does. And, and she tells Jenkins, turns out that i came to my own aid and of course he apologizes for not helping but that's one of the beauties of this episode is that she does it on her own that that you know i mean she knows that they're there if she needs them of course the uh, the connection's not very good in this town but but still she does it on her own and then that line when when she says, you know, I'm just gonna be a normal person. He says, you're anything but normal, thank goodness for that. Right. And just just a beautiful line that that yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that she needed to hear it, but it certainly couldn't hurt. Yeah. So they, and I, well, you
1: yeah, I, I think she, she did need to hear it, you know, because um she certainly was feeling again, like we talked about with the um you know the Haunted House episode. Where she felt marginalized then and, and at this point. Now, now did you – I forgot to ask you this at the beginning. Did you, for a little bit, think the first time you saw this that you had missed an episode? Um, No, not really. Why? I just did for a second there because the whole dream sequence in Ecuador and everything, like right. before I realized it was a dream, I'm like, are they showing a flashback to something that already happened? And like, wait. I didn't see this happening.
0: Did I miss an episode? Yeah, kind of like that. Uh Uh huh. So, but uh, well, you know, anything else you want to bring up? Um, no, I think I think that might be it. Okay. Now I threw my letter grade out there. What do you think? Oh, A, A for sure. Solid A. Yeah, Yeah. it's good. Liked it. Great, great episode all around. Um,
1: Just heavily good thematically. The only, and of course, I need to nitpick at least one thing. And here it is. This is the only thing I'm going to nitpick is the fairy was ridiculous. Like, just you com- mean from a,
0: from a FX standpoint? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: It was ludicrous. Now, when they had a fairy before, she was played by just a regular person, right? So, why yeah, would they right. go to making this? I don't even know what to call it. It just looked terrible you it pulls you out of the episode because again you're looking now i'm now i'm on the outside now i'm not inside the episode anymore on the outside thinking about how silly this you know cgi is and how there's about a bazillion better ways they could have gone about it namely hiring back the actress who played the fairy it was just last season right i think
0: i think so yeah well i guess if that's the only nitpick and, that's it. and uh yeah then then that's pretty good i mean mine as i said why would the fairy go in the globe in the first place yes. but you know whatever which so, i wouldn't
1: that too but you already said it, so i like go okay
0: <laughs> all right well we'll we'll go ahead and leave that one there uh as we said we're both giving it an a and uh four episodes to go so i know you already know what's going to happen but i'm certainly looking forward to checking out the next episode so but, like the, the the ride the end of the season is just woo! all right it's crazy. well we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight we'd love to hear what you think about the librarians anything else going on in genre television you know hey maybe you're watching something based on the recommendations that one of us made in our uh, opening segments encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about Season 4, Episode 9 of The Librarians, titled The Librarians and a Town Called Feud. But until then... You know, Dave, those kind of things
1: just don't happen around here.